Good evening, and welcome to Nighty Night with Rabia Chaudhry. Bedtime stories to keep you awake. I'm DJ Lubell, the show's producer. Tonight's tale is about a family that moves into what seems to be a heavenly new neighborhood, but has a homeowners association from hell. Please enjoy Forever Home. Once upon a time, there was a woman who longed for a home she could call her own. Erin Morganson was recently divorced and still figuring out the ropes of single parenthood. Her marriage had ended abruptly when her husband, the breadwinner of the family, left one day to pick up some groceries and simply never returned. She was left with an increasingly belligerent 13-year-old and an apartment she could only afford for a few more months. She lay in bed at night, thinking about where she would take her child, wishing, through tears, that she had forced the issue of buying a home with her husband when she had the chance. He always told her they would do it when the time was right, and for years she had daydreamed as she scrolled through real estate apps and trawled Craigslist postings for rent-to-own properties. But the right time never came. And now she was facing imminent homelessness. The weeks ticked by as she struggled to find work, and just as it seemed that they might end up on the streets, Her luck turned in the most incredible way. A year earlier, as she had been wandering through a local mall, a pale young man had jumped in front of her with a clipboard and a stack of brochures. Would you like to apply for a chance to win a house in the most exclusive community on the East Coast? The Honey Hill Estate Sweepstakes only opens up once a year, and this is your lucky day. He was all smiles as he held out a shiny gold pen to her. She smiled back as she tried to sidestep him, but he swept around her again. I promise it'll only take two minutes. Just give it a shot. What have you got to lose? She sensed some desperation in his voice and grudgingly took the pen and began filling out the entry card. As she handed back the clipboard, he gave her one of the glossy color brochures and wished her a hearty, good luck, ma'am. And now she stared at the notice she got by certified mail, printed on bright yellow paper, that she had won the sweepstakes. A three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bathroom, single-family house was all hers if she wanted it. All she had to do was send back a notarized acceptance letter, and the keys would be hers in four weeks' time. She ran down to her car and dug around in the trunk, around the bags of clothing and household items she planned to donate at some point, and under stacks of bills, she found it. The brochure. She hadn't really looked at it closely before, but now, as she walked slowly back up to her apartment, she examined each page. The cover read, Honey Hill Estates, your forever home. The houses stood in perfect rows, manicured lawn after manicured lawn surrounded by white picket fences. They were all modern craftsman-style homes, some smaller cottages and others larger manors with wraparound porches and beautifully trimmed hedges. It was a gated community built on a man-made island off of the North Carolina coast, but it wasn't like any other gated community she'd ever heard of. Honey Hill Estates had its own schools, shopping plazas, movie theaters, gyms, churches, fire stations, and even medical clinics. It seemed like the residents of the thousand houses in Honey Hill never had to go anywhere. They could meet all of their needs inside the gates of their community. The back of the brochure read, Honey Hill Estates, the most inclusive and exclusive residential community on the East Coast, the forever home you've been searching for. A little over a month later, Erin drove across the two-mile bridge that led to the wrought iron gates of Honey Hill Estates. 
She glanced in the rearview mirror at her daughter. Sky sat looking miserable in the back of the packed car, and Aaron didn't blame her. Her life had been completely upturned in the past few months. First, her family fell apart, and now she was having to leave the neighborhood she grew up in and the few friends she had in the middle of the school year. Sky had always been a shy girl. She had been through bullying and loneliness and finally found her tribe this year in middle school. Aaron felt like enemy number one for taking her three states away from them. For a second, she wavered, wondering if she made the right decision. But then, as she slowed to a stop in front of the majestic gates surrounding Honey Hill, she squared her shoulders. Yes, this was the right decision. She and Skye would both start over, and here, they would make new friends and find a community closer than family. The security guard had a warm face, fleshy and pink. He checked her ID against his computer screen and then flashed them a huge grin. Welcome, we are so happy to have you both here. The gate slowly opened and Aaron drove through, her stomach in excited knots. She followed her GPS through postcard-perfect neighborhoods and was surprised to see small rolling hills on both the north and south sides of the island, a lush green backdrop to the already picturesque landscape. Amazing. They had actually built man-made hills on the man-made island. She heard the ocean in the distance, the waves rolling and crashing, and took in a deep breath. She couldn't believe that they would get to call this place home. Finally, she found it, their house, 76 Honeysuckle Drive. A deeply tan woman in capris and a fluffy pink top stood in the driveway and quickly bustled over. Her eyes were a startling electric blue color, and in her arms she cradled a wicker basket tied with a jaunty crimson bow. She leaned down to peer into Aaron's open window. Welcome, Morgansons. I'm Karen Williams, but you can call me Karen. I'm the president of the Homeowners Association. I'm so excited you're here. Nice to meet you, Erin responded as she struggled to get out of her car as elegantly as possible. She extended her hand for a shake, but instead of taking her hand, Karen set down the basket and pulled Erin into a hug, enveloping her in the overpowering aroma of freesia perfume. Don't be afraid to get close, Karen said into Erin's hair. Erin gritted her teeth, willing herself not to pull away. The cloying smell of the perfume clung to her and she felt slightly dizzy. The woman pulled back and tilted her head, appraising Aaron. She reached out to smooth a strawberry blonde curl that had escaped Aaron's ponytail holder, and then she glanced at Skye. Like mother, like daughter, you're both just lovely, aren't you? Let me guess, Irish roots? The red hair and green eyes give it away. Aaron smiled and nodded, her face flushing at Karen's close inspection. Perfect, just perfect. Anyway, look, I just came to give you this Honey Hill welcome basket. Oh, that's so kind of you, Aaron said. She expected the usual, cookies and crackers or maybe some cheese and nuts, but when she looked down into the wicker basket, it held nothing of the kind. I know it's not your standard apple pie, but it's much more useful. Karen pulled out the items, handing them over like treasured artifacts. This is the standard set of security cameras. Aaron stared at the boxed cameras and baggies filled with mounting hardware. I thought this was a safe place. Well, yes, it is, of course it is, but how do you think we came to be this safe? Well, I mean, this is sweet, but I don't think we'll need it. Cameras like this really creep me out. <laughs> they actually make me even more stressed, Aaron said with a laugh that fell flat. Karen kept smiling, but her eyes widened further, reminding Aaron of when a power surge caused lights to flash brighter. She suppressed a giggle at the thought that the woman was short-circuiting. Trust me, you'll love the peace of mind. Just have your husband hang them up when he gets here. Two outside and two inside. There's already brackets installed showing where they should go. 
There won't be any husband joining us. Karen didn't miss a beat, nor did she apologize. Anyways, you need to put them up. If you have any trouble, just let me know and I'll take care of it. She leaned closer. Actually, it's part of the HOA rules. You don't have a problem with the HOA rules, do you? No, of course not, but... Well, then that's settled. Besides, nobody's ever refused the cameras before. Like I said, they all keep us safe, Karen chirped. One single wrinkle appeared on her forehead. It was their first day there. Did Aaron really want to pick a fight with the HOA already? Uh, of course, she sighed. The wrinkle on Karen's face smoothed out and she grabbed a small piece of tech out of the basket that fit in the palm of her hand. This is a GPS tracker. I'll just pop it in on the wheel well here. See, easy peasy. She leaned over and affixed the device to the car as Aaron stared in disbelief. Now you'll always be protected by our community. If you break down or have a wreck, our towing team and first responders will be there immediately. Or if by chance somebody stole your car and took it off the island, we'd have no trouble getting it back. You have no need for AAA or anything like that anymore. We have you covered. It's such a relief not to have to worry about things. I promise. Having her movements tracked didn't bring any sense of comfort to Erin. But maybe it was just her big city instincts kicking in and she needed to relax a bit. Think about it another way. This wasn't surveillance. It was security. Besides, it wouldn't be so bad to have people looking out for her now that she was a single mom. Karen stood up and smoothed down the front of her capris. Plus, once your daughter here starts driving, I am sure you're going to appreciate knowing that she is where she's supposed to be. Erin nodded and smiled. I'm sure you've read the full list of HOA regulations, but just so you know, the most important one, well, it's one of the most important ones, I think, is the maintenance of our lawns. She pulled out a plastic ruler from her back pocket and pointed to the three-inch mark. The grass must be three inches, no more, no less. She laughed a little. Sometimes it takes time to get the mower blades in the right position, so we let it slide if it's a little bit less. She winked at Skye. Erin burst out laughing, all of her previous tension fading. Oh my goodness, you're completely messing with me. I'm, I'm so relieved. She laughed so hard she snorted a little, and she was too relieved to even be embarrassed about it, even though Skye glared at her, mortified. Karen didn't say anything. The ruler stayed in her hands, her finger pointing to the number three. Her smile dropped. We are quite serious about lawn care here. Erin's face went red as she realized that Karen was being serious, and she tried to recover. Oh, uh, of course you are, I'm sorry. Karen's unflappable smile returned as she reached into her pocket for a business card. Here's the number for the HOA-approved lawn care service. She smiled and waved another card before Aaron's face. And this is your key card for the access gate at the bridge. That's your way on and off the island. Oh, thanks for that. Aaron took the cards and stuffed them into her jeans. They exchanged a few excruciating pleasantries, including the question of what Aaron did for a living. Nothing at the moment, given that she'd been a stay-at-home mom before the divorce. Right now, the only thing keeping them afloat were the child support payments for Skye. But Aaron planned to continue job hunting the moment they settled in. Judging by the number of businesses on Honey Hill, Aaron thought it couldn't take too long to find a job right there on the island. Karen listened, her eyebrows fixed in high arches. Oh, Karen said, looking at her pink smartwatch. It's almost two o'clock. That's when the mail fairy comes each day. I've got to get some things sent off today, so I'd better get going. Mail fairy? Yes, it's the fastest way to get things to and from the mainland. You may have noticed it's pretty remote on the other end of the bridge. But the ferry docks at a busy town north of us, so you can access much more stuff faster. Something buzzed. Karen smiled down at her cell phone. Great, now you don't have to worry about the cameras at all. 
I texted a guy from the HOA, and he's more than happy to set them up today. She then turned and popped open Aaron's mailbox. Aaron desperately hoped she wasn't about to explain the mailbox, too. Well, look at that, Karen exclaimed. You've got a little something in there already. She pulled out a small white envelope with a Honey Hill logo, an oversized H with curly vines creeping up the sides, sitting on top of a stylized hill-like curve. The logo was the color of goldenrods, bright and cheery. Aaron took the letter and opened it. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Morganson, we regret to inform you that your lawn has surpassed the three-inch limit. That is a violation. Please see the attached invoice for $100. Please pay your fee within two weeks of receipt of this notice to reinstate your good standing with the neighborhood. Failure to comply will result in late fees and revocation of HOA privileges. Sincerely, Honey Hill Estates Homeowners Association. How can my grass be out of compliance? We just got here. Well, you were responsible for the lawn from the date of your title transfer, which I think was maybe a week ago. Karen said this innocently, as if she wasn't sure she was correct. She went on in a tone that was only slightly apologetic. Uh, we're quite serious about lawn care here, as if that explained everything. She handed over a bound manual the size of a small novel. This is just in case you misplaced the one that was mailed to you. Rules and regulations for the Honey Hill Estates community. Everything you need to know is right here. Aaron took the book in hand and turned it over, taking in its heft. Awesome, she said, which was the opposite of what she was thinking. Okay, then, I'll be off. Welcome again to your forever home. You be careful now, Karen called as she walked away, back to her black car with tinted windows parked on the street. It was said in a friendly tone, but Aaron couldn't help thinking there was a warning in it. That afternoon, Aaron stood in front of the bay window for a long time, watching the hills in the distance out past the dozens of black gable roofs. Her eyes traced the curves of the distant green mounds of earth that were Honey Hill's namesake. In her head, she began convincing herself of the merits of Honey Hill, repeating them like a mantra. A house of her own, a beautiful neighborhood, a perfect view, complete security. What more could she possibly ask for? Be grateful, Aaron reminded herself. She was grateful. She now had a home of her own. And yet, as she looked up and down the street at the perfect houses and rows, the tiny hairs on the back of her neck prickled. Time passed, weeks, then a month. The letter about the grass was only the first of many. Aaron's fingers began to tremble as she neared the mailbox. She began letting the mail pile up until the mouth of the box couldn't close. It was like her mailbox had contracted a sickness, spewing and puking paper. It seemed like not a day went by without a message from the HOA. One day it was about the color of her curtains, which were barely visible behind her blinds, not complying. On another, it was about the dirt on the house's siding. Another time, a complaint about a single forgotten weed growing under one of her palm trees. A garbage can left outside for too long. Wind chimes on the patio. The leaves on her driveway. She had read the regulation book cover to cover so many times, but the HOA seemed determined to catch her somehow. And despite the HOA president knowing full well that Aaron was single, the letters were always addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Morganson. Every letter balanced in the teetering pile on Aaron's kitchen table came with a fine. Hundreds of dollars of fines every month that left her with barely anything. Aaron had begun her job search initially on the island, but after being buried in HOA violations, she started to feel suffocated and decided she needed an excuse to get off the island just to maintain her sanity. 
So every day after Sky set off to the community school, Erin drove over the bridge off of the island to job hunt on the mainland. But all she encountered were rural roads and emptiness for a hundred miles in every direction. She returned day after day feeling diminished, but found some small comfort in joining her neighbors every evening as they watched the sunset from their patios. While no neighbor had come by with a casserole or a cake, Erin joined them in their evening ritual, everyone on their porches at dusk, sipping tea or wine, calling greetings out to each other. Husbands and wives rocked together on wooden chairs as their kids played in the yards, calling them in when it was finally dark. It was idyllic, something out of a Norman Rockwell painting. At first, Skye refused to join her out on the porch, but after a few months, she was out there every evening too, headphones plugged into her favorite tracks as she drank hot cocoa. The stress of their every move being watched by the HOA and still not having a job was only outweighed by the fact that Skye seemed to be thriving. Skye was excelling at the small middle school and especially on the track team. In fact, Skye was the school's new star sprinter, had joined the yearbook club, and had made new friends. You won't believe it, Mom, she had said a few weeks after their move. Everyone is so nice at school, like everyone. No bullies, no cliques. Everyone's friendly and supportive, and I just, I can't believe it. Erin remembered back years ago to how helpless she had felt when Skye came home with her school books in tatters, her lunch stolen from her every day, and no one at the school willing to help or listen. She hated the HOA, that was true, but otherwise life here was a blessing. Erin made it a habit to be present for track practice three times a week, cheering Skye on from the stands and bringing trays of cold, sliced oranges for the team. That's where, one afternoon, she met the Thompsons, husband and wife Ethan and Capella. Although the couple didn't have any children of their own, they lived close to the school and every so often came out to watch the team practice. Capella was petite and lively, her short brown hair cut in a stylish bob against her pale skin. Ethan was tall and blonde, his eyes a brilliant green against his freckled skin. Aaron liked them both instantly. The Thompsons had lived at Honey Hill for three years, and they told her that they expected to live there for the rest of their lives. It was their forever home. As practice wound down, a lanky boy of about 12, wet with sweat and breathing hard, came over to Aaron and pointed at the oranges. Oh, yes. Aaron jumped up and held out the tray. The boy grabbed slices with both hands and began sucking on them as he stood staring at the hills in the distance. His eyes began to tear up. Are you okay? Aaron said, putting her hand on his shoulder. The boy answered without looking at her. My grandpa's in that middle one, he said, pointing to a trio of green mounds. Aaron blinked. Excuse me? The boy looked at Aaron in the eyes, holding her gaze. Leave while you can he whispered. Suddenly, a woman emerged from the crowd and yanked the child away before he could say another word. Aaron watched as she dragged him away, the woman's face contorted in anger. She felt a hand on her shoulder and turned to face Capella. That's so weird. You know what he just said? She began but was cut off by Ethan, who stood by his wife's side, looking at Aaron almost sympathetically. Listen, it was great to meet you. Why don't you and Skye join us for dinner tomorrow night? We're just a few blocks away from here. Erin nodded and thanked him and then went to find her daughter as a tiny knot in her stomach began to grow into a hardened pit. Erin drove slowly, mindful of the 25-mile-an-hour speed limit, knowing full well the speed traps were everywhere. Not a week went by that she didn't get a citation for driving five miles over the limit somewhere on the island. 
She could see Capella and Ethan's house a block away and flipped down her mirror to take a quick look at her face. She looked pale and tired, not a hint of color anywhere. Sky, can you hand me the lip gloss in my purse? I have to put something on. I look awful. Sky reached down around her feet, rummaging through her mother's bag, and handed her a tube filled with pink gloss. Erin looked back up into the mirror, steering the car with her knee as she screwed open the gloss, and suddenly, her tires met something solid. Erin's stomach leaped into her throat. She dropped the tube of lip gloss and whipped the car over, and then burst out of the door. The ruined body of an orange tabby cat met her eyes as she came around the back of the car. Its bloodied and flattened body was completely still. Before Aaron could tell her to stay put, Skye clambered out of the car and gawked at the bloody animal. You killed it, she wailed. It was an accident, Aaron answered in a stilted voice. She put a hand on her stomach and bent near the cat to see if she could find a nameplate on its collar. Just as she was reaching out to touch it, a voice startled her from behind. Don't, don't touch him, Capella said from the sidewalk. Erin almost fell over from her crouched position on the asphalt as she whipped her head around and saw Capella standing there. She was staring at the dead cat, hands on hips, eyes glassy. Glad you found the house. Don't worry about the cat. Just just come in, Capella said quickly, looking around. It was, it was, oh my God, Erin began to say, stumbling over her words. It was an accident. Look, it wasn't you, okay? It's been laying here dead for two days. Erin looked around the neighborhood, her face contorted. Wait, I mean, whose cat was it? She asked. Why is it still here? Capella turned without responding and walked up the driveway leading to a quaint white two-story house. Skye reached out to touch her mother's shoulder. Mom, maybe we should go. That woman's weird. Come on, let's go. Erin looked towards the house where Capella stood on the porch waiting for her. She wasn't so ready to leave. She had been hoping Capella and Ethan could tell her how to get off of the HOA's hit list, and she was still uneasy about what the boy had said about his grandfather being in the hills. She wanted to ask them what it meant. Most importantly, though, she just needed some friends, and these were the first Honey Hill residents to show them some hospitality. No, they couldn't leave, not just yet. By the time Aaron and Skye made their way into Capella's kitchen, Ethan had already plated up dinner spaghetti and meatballs. The hunks of meat swimming in red sauce would normally have been appetizing, but Aaron fought her gag reflex, thinking of the mangled cat, the broken bones, blood and fur smeared on the street. As she leaned on the kitchen island for support, she couldn't help but notice two empty bottles of Cabernet Sauvignon on the counter, the corks discarded on the floor, and that another full bottle was chilled and waiting, with small beads of condensation running down its neck. Small spatters of dark red liquid welled up from the snaking veins of the Carrera marble countertop. Someone had poured these drinks in a hurry. As Erin pushed the pasta and meat around her plate, she hesitatingly raised the question of the HOA citations and how to get off of their shit list. Capella stayed silent, reaching for her wine glass instead, and Ethan shrugged and smiled. Well, you know how those things are. You'll just have to be more careful not to commit violations. Make sure to review the manual every so often. Just stick to the rules. They're meant to keep us safe and happy. Sky snorted and Aaron glared at her to stay quiet. An awkward silence fell over the table and the rest of dinner was spent in small talk. After clearing her dishes, Sky excused herself to use the restroom. As soon as she was out of earshot, Capella turned to Aaron and reduced her voice to a furtive whisper. He was ours, the cat, she hissed. Aaron was stunned. 
Before she could say a word, Capella put up a finger to silence her and took a long swill of wine, swishing it audibly around her mouth. When she spoke again, there was a rancid purple sheen on her teeth. The HOA doesn't allow cats, she said, looking at Ethan. We thought we could keep him a secret as long as he stayed indoors, she continued to whisper. Huh, what were we thinking, Ethan? Ethan didn't say anything. He stood, pushed in his chair, and left the room abruptly. The sound of his footsteps carried up the stairs, and Aaron watched as Capella drank more wine. We just got him a month ago, smuggled him in, Capella continued in a low voice. We don't have kids, right? Been trying for years. I just wanted something to love, to take care of. But they found out about him, I guess. It's the cameras. For our security? Pfft, bullshit. They're watching us even inside the house. How else would they know? We never took him outside. We never even have anyone over. He was indoors only. A few days ago, he disappeared, and the next thing you know, we find him dead in front of our house. That's them sending us a message, leaving him there knowing we won't pick him up. That would be as good as admitting he was ours. Capella said into the glass she held close to her mouth. Erin now regretted the bit of spaghetti and lone meatball she had managed to consume. A tremor started deep in her belly and her meal rolled around uncomfortably. The phantom scent of Frisia came to her as she recalled what Karen had said about the cameras. Nobody has ever refused them before. And today, Capella said, swirling the glass in her hand, we got a letter from the association telling us to make sure to clean out our fridge and put all the trash on the curb before we go on holiday. She stared into space. So, yeah, you'll forgive us if we're not ourselves tonight. Well, said Aaron, confused, maybe a vacation will do you good. Where are you planning on going? Capella gave her a look of disbelief, studying Aaron's face. For the first time since they'd entered the dining room, she put her wine glass down. You're so new, aren't you? Tears welled up in Capella's eyes. We have no plans. There is no holiday. There's, there's just so much you don't know, and you know what? Now I'm just sorry I brought it up. They sat together in an uncomfortable silence before Aaron hesitatingly asked her next question. Why, um, why did Ethan stop me yesterday when I asked that boy what he meant about the hills? Capella tapped a long pink fingernail on the rim of her glass, quiet for what seemed like minutes. She opened her mouth to say something just as Skye appeared back at the table. Mom, are we going home? Aaron nodded, suddenly feeling extremely tired. Capella stood and picked up her plate, giving the mother and daughter a quick grin. Hey, listen, I'm sorry this evening started off with a cat thing. Don't worry about the cat, just worry about yourself. Thank you guys for the company. It was lovely to have people over, but just a heads up, you may not see us around for a while, Capella slurred. A little later, as she pulled back into their own driveway, Aaron made up her mind. Enough was enough. The cameras she would see about later, but for now she had to remove the tracker on the car. Stepping out of the car, she thought she smelled Frisia again. She saw a piece of bloodied orange hair still clinging to her front tire, and her stomach finally gave. She leaned over and spewed her dinner on the front yard, leaving red splotches of spaghetti sauce all over the perfect Bermuda grass. Aaron had popped the GPS tracker out of the wheel well in the dead of the night and dropped it in the grass a few inches away, hoping it would seem like the car never moved. Inside the house, Skye was snoring soundly, 
but just in case she woke up, Erin left her a note saying she was going for a drive. She was still nauseous over the possibility that the HOA had killed Capella's cat, but for now the only thing she could think about were the hills. She drove with her headlights off in the direction of the waves through the grid of streets that checked the island. She knew every house she passed had cameras on the outside and there was probably surveillance happening from every light pole, but right now she didn't care. She had to find out what was hidden in the hills. She slowed to a stop as she approached the cluster of hills in the south of the island, each rising in rolls a few hundred feet high, melting into one another, black against the night sky. She parked her car facing a trail that ascended up until it disappeared the reach of her headlights and left the engine running. As she stepped towards the trail, her heart nearly stopped and she froze when she thought she saw a person standing in the dark. She turned her cell phone light slowly towards the dark figure and let out a steady breath of relief when she realized it was just a side post with a large wooden placard attached to it. Aaron stepped closer to read the inscription. In loving memory of those resting here, loyal residents of Honey Hill Estates, the first exclusive community in the nation founded on principles of ethnic purity and pride, those who left their lives behind for this new community, who forfeited family and friends in order to create not just a more perfect society, but an absolutely perfect society, will never be forgotten. All who join us, stay with us for eternity. In this, their forever home. Erin gasped and stumbled back, her mind racing. This had to be a joke. A community founded on racial purity? Breath held, she searched her memories, thinking about her neighbors, about the kids on Sky's bus, about the clerks and cashiers at the shops, about the librarian and the movie theater attendant, about the parents and the coaches at the soccer matches. Not a single person of color, a small voice whispered inside of her. No, no, that couldn't be. There, there had to be. She just, she just couldn't remember them right now. She hadn't noticed them, maybe, or missed them somehow. Or, she shook her head, has she missed that every single person on the island was white? She shone her camera light up towards the green climb of the hill and noticed the ground wasn't flat. Every few feet, the train bumped up in an oval mound, each mound a few feet high, and the size of a body. Erin stepped onto the trail, aiming her light left and right, and in every direction, the same green mounds gently rose and fell, row upon row. The hills were a mass cemetery that from a distance looked serene and beautiful and inviting, inviting residents to stay forever. Erin drove back home in a haze, unable to comprehend what she had gotten herself and Sky into. Screw selling the house, they had to get out. Tomorrow, she had to start looking for another place for them, far off the island, far away from Honey Hill Estates. The morning broke bleak and gray. Moments after Skye stepped into the yellow bus that was waiting in the drizzle, Erin backed down the driveway, her head dull from having stayed awake all night. She looked over her shoulder down the street and scanned every corner she slowly turned imagining Karen would show up at any minute with the tracking device in hand. As she approached the black iron gate, Erin slowed and reached out into the light rain and waved her keycard in front of the sensor. She waited, expecting the dulcet tone and a friendly green light that signaled the gate opening. Instead, came a sharp buzz and a red light. The gate remained closed. 
Aaron waved her card again, and again the censor buzzed angrily and the gate stayed shut. She strained to see if the guard was in his booth on the far side of the entrance, but saw no one. A knot tightened in her stomach. Come on, she said, beating the censor with her fist. You've got to be kidding me. A light honk came from behind her car. She looked up into her rearview mirror and saw a black sedan pulled right up to her bumper. In the driver's seat, a pair of cobalt blue eyes pinned Aaron with her gaze. She quickly rolled her window shut. Aaron didn't look up as she heard the click of Karen's kitten heels on the asphalt. Karen leaned over with a tight smile and lightly rapped on her window. The reflection of her slick white raincoat with its pink lining filled the surface of the side view mirror. Come now, Aaron, open the window. Aaron sighed and pressed the button that brought down the only thing separating them. It's a violation to remove the tracking device. We can't let you leave until you address all your violations, my dear. Karen tutted at her. Aaron looked up, meeting Karen's hard eyes. That's ridiculous. You can't keep me trapped here. I'll pay the citation. I've been paying them, but this, well, what you're doing is illegal. Open the gate. I have a right to go wherever I want. Karen pressed her lips and shook her head, her electric blue eyes darkening. My dear, I know where you were last night. We know where you are all the time, and I know that you're thinking about leaving. But here's the thing. You signed a social contract when you joined our community, and I mean that literally. You signed the contract when you moved here, right there in the deed, that you would abide by all of our rules and that you would join us in building this perfect society. You may have missed the small print, but my dear, you are forever a part of Honey Hill Estates. All of our residents are. How else could we ensure that our future generations stay, well, undiluted? Karen paused as her French manicured fingers tightened over the top of the car window. You are goddamn crazy. Let me out, Aaron said through gritted teeth. The bluster of a building thunderstorm whipped through the open car window. Karen nodded agreeably. Well now, that's no way to talk to a fellow resident, but okay, okay. I can see you're very stressed out. What you need, my dear, is a holiday. Because if there's one thing I know, it's that everyone loves coming back to their home after a holiday, right? Her eyes narrowed and she gestured over her shoulder. Two large men, one of whom Aaron remembered as having installed the cameras in her home, emerged from the back of Karen's car. One holiday is all you get, Aaron was told. Another such a breach of contract meant the only future she had to look forward to was the one where her body fed the well-manicured mounds of the hills at Honey Hill Estate. Her holiday lasted months, months in which the days and weeks blended together and she never saw Sky. Sky, Karen told her, was just fine. She had taken Sky in and she had let her know that her mother had to go away on a retreat for a while. She was treating Skye like one of her own children, Karen assured her. By the time she emerged from the dark chamber, one of many that was buried deep in the hills, Aaron was ready to go home. She missed her home, and she understood that this was her home for life, forever. Aaron fixed her hair in the mirror, pulling stray reddish curls into place and adjusted her bright pink hairband. She fixed a smudge of coral lipstick on her teeth and smoothed the pleats of her calf-length skirt. Perfect. 
Aaron bent down to pick up the large wicker basket tied with a bow and checked to make sure it contained four cameras and one GPS tracker. All set. She looked up at the camera in the corner of her foyer and smiled and winked before heading out to welcome the newest arrivals to Honey Hill Estates. Remember, dear listeners, if you're surrounded only by people who look like you, well, you might actually be trapped. Nighty-night, don't let the nightmares bite. Plenty of us have had awful HOAs. Believe me, I know, I have stories. But I bet you didn't know that HOAs were created not just to be a pain in the ass for homeowners, but also in order to, well, keep certain kinds of people out of white neighborhoods. HOAs came into existence in the mid-1800s, but they didn't really become common in mainstream America until the housing boom of the 1960s. With all these massive suburbs going up everywhere, white property owners had to devise plans to keep their neighborhoods homogenous. In other words, segregated. A 2020 Business Insider article about the racist roots of HOAs quoted economist and author Jonathan Rothwell as saying, There is plenty of evidence from historic records and housing policy discussions that anti-black racism motivated some of the strategies used by homeowner associations, such as deed restrictions and covenants that explicitly discriminated against black people by compelling other owners to avoid selling to them. HOAs perpetuate racial and economic segregation by blocking fair participation in housing markets, thus denying wealth-generating opportunities and upward mobility for many black people and lower-income families. Today, there are over 350,000 HOAs in America. And while you might think that overt racism and HOA rules are a thing of your Well, as recently as 2019, a Florida woman exposed a Caucasians-only covenant in her HOA that had been around since the 1930s. Tonight's tale was written by K.M. Bennett and Rabia Chaudhry. Nighty Night is executive produced by Rabia Chaudhry and Colin Thompson. It's produced by DJ Lou Bell. It's edited and sound designed by Anton Doty. Original music by Andrew Gerlicher. Hold up. 